Okay, so if I'm standing by the, the punch bowl and you walk up, what do you say to strike up a conversation with me? Um, oh, geez. I, <laughs> well, my first instinct is to wait for you to strike up a conversation with me. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to How To. I'm Charles Duhigg. On this week's show, we're talking to a listener who you might be surprised is willing to come onto a podcast like this to talk about her life. I have a team of about 55 people that I oversee. And a lot of the feedback that I hear from them is that people don't find me very approachable. So I know that one of the barriers I have is just making small talk. This is Amy. She's a manager at a local county government office in Denver, Colorado. And by her own description, she is an introvert. Like if I encounter somebody in a break room, I might just say good morning or whatever, and that's about it. The conversation never really goes anywhere. It also happens like at, you know, my husband's Christmas party or at other social gatherings where I find myself sort of kind of camping out in a corner and talking to the people that I do know, but never really connecting with anybody new. Amy has tried to be more outgoing. Back when she was working in her office, back before we all started working from home, she put this reminder on her calendar to force herself every other Friday to walk around and say hello to all of her employees and try and make casual conversation with them. And as I was walking around and kind of talking to everybody, I could tell that I was making other people uncomfortable. Like my my discomfort with small talk is like um, infecting other people, it felt like. <laughs> and so that's when I thought there's got to be there's got to be a trick to this. And like, what are you feeling in that particular moment? Like, do you freeze up? I feel like I, um, I always just feel a little bit out of place and not sure where to start. Amy recently got promoted, which means she needs to talk to and manage even more people than before. And now she's doing it all remotely. Why do you think you struggle with this so much? Oh, you know, I don't know. I've always been um, pretty introverted and I hate to use the word shy. I'm outspoken. I'm perfectly comfortable in being assertive and, you know, voicing my opinion and taking charge and, you know, all of those things. But when it comes to, like, connecting with people and being real personal, I'm definitely very reserved. Um, I have a very small circle of friends, and I just don't feel the need to have millions of social connections. And um, it's just never been something that I needed. But in order for her to do her job effectively, Amy needs to foster those social connections. That's part of being a good manager. And we've all been in social situations like this, right? Where we have to make small talk. Maybe you're alone at a conference or you're trying to mingle at a spouse's work party. Or these days, maybe you're joining a Zoom cocktail hour or, or figuring out how to meet new clients or going on a date when you can't actually meet the other person in person. What are you supposed to say? How do you make the conversation more enjoyable, both for you and for everyone else? When we come back, we'll bring on an expert who learned how to turn her own shyness into a superpower. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Hosted by Katie Milkman, an award-winning behavioral scientist and author of the best-selling book, How to Change, Choiceology is a show about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Hear true stories from Nobel laureates, authors, athletes, and everyday people about why we do the things we do. 
Listen to Choiceology at schwab.com slash podcast or wherever you listen. This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. This iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing, and the interior is built with robust materials and integrity. The Defender capability is legendary, whether you're facing off road challenges or harsh weather conditions. Built for the modern explorer, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. And cargo capacity means more room for your gear. To drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. Powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system keep you connected. Innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. Ready for a wide range of adventures, the Defender family features the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. A vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Much like our listener Amy, the author Susan Cain always wondered why she struggled so much to make small talk. Well, I mean, the funny thing is that I had been thinking about these questions and this way of being all my life. I didn't always have a language for it, but I had always been thinking about it. After years of thinking and doing research, Susan wrote a book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. All the times that I got the message that somehow my quiet and introverted style of being was not necessarily the right way to go and that I should be trying to pass as more of an extrovert. And I always sensed deep down that this was wrong and that introverts were pretty excellent just as they were. But for years, I denied this intuition. And so I became a Wall Street lawyer, of all things, instead of the writer that I had always longed to be, partly because I needed to prove to myself that I could be bold and assertive too. And I I made these self-negating choices so reflexively that I wasn't even aware that I was making them. Now, this is what many introverts do, and it's our loss, because when it comes to creativity and to leadership, we need introverts doing what they do best. Susan's TED Talk and her book launched what she's called a quiet revolution. And ever since then, she's dedicated herself to helping the world understand introverts and helping introverts understand themselves. So when you were a corporate lawyer, I mean, we think of, of, at least I think of corporate lawyers as kind of these like these natural extroverts who are loud and opinionated. Did you feel like Amy when you were at your old law firm? Like, would you struggle to network and to talk with your colleagues? Did you feel like being an introvert was something that made you out of place? I had assumed at the beginning that I would be at this big disadvantage because of my way of being. But I started to realize that... um, I was a pretty young associate at the time, and the senior partner I was working with kind of at the last minute couldn't come to this big negotiation, and I had to do it, and I was absolutely terrified, but it ended up being this shockingly, to me, successful thing where um, the attorney representing the other client wanted to hire me, and it was all because I was doing it in my own sort of more quiet and thoughtful way. A lot of what makes a good negotiator is somebody who can really listen deeply, um, try to come up with constructive agreements that work for everyone. So um, it wasn't always comfortable for me, but I started to realize that it was this weird superpower that um, I had not realized that I had at the beginning. That's interesting. 
And, and can you tell me, like, what exactly is introversion? Like, how is introvert, how is being an introvert different from being shy? So introversion is about the preference for environments that are just more mellow, you know, to put it in really colloquial terms. There are fewer stimuli um, bombarding you at any one time, which is why, you know, you often hear people say, like, how do you feel after you've been at a party for a couple of hours? Um, For an extrovert, it's as if they have an internal battery that's getting charged by that experience. And so they're now really revved up because they're getting energy. Um, And an introvert, even if they're very socially skilled and great at small talk, at the end of the two hours, it's still as if their internal battery is being drained and they're starting to wish that they could go home at that point. And all of that is different from shyness, which is much more about the fear of social judgment. And, you know, one of the things that we've kind of been focusing on is is small talk, right? How do you make small talk in a way that's not awkward and feel successful? I think one thing that might be helpful for you, Amy, is to know that um, there's a study that found that most people don't really like small talk. It's kind of boring. Yeah. And most people are hungry to get to the place where the talk is no longer small. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're actually discussing something real. Okay, so let, let's try this out. Let's let's try and workshop this for a second, if you don't mind. So let's say I'm standing by this the punch bowl. Um, and Amy comes up. Amy, what's your, your first instinct at a party? <laughs> what do you say? Um, oh, geez. I, I was so afraid you were going to make me role play. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Amy, I so relate to you. I always hate the role playing part. <laughs> but that's okay. It'll be, it'll be good for me. Okay. So I might say, um, oh, I really enjoy this punch. Do you know what the ingredients are? That's a great question. I believe it's 10% punch and 90% vodka. (laughs) This is going to go a lot easier then. (laughs) (laughs) And what's, what's, what's the next question you ask? So then I might say, oh, vodka is uh, such a, uh, easy dr- thing to mix with drinks. I really like Tito's. What brand do you prefer? Uh, I'm a, I'm a Grey Goose guy. I'm a big fan of Grey Goose. <laughs> do you, um, do you drink a lot of vodka? Are you, uh, is that a problem for you? <laughs> I feel, I feel like we've gotten past the small talk into something deep and meaningful right. really fast. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I need help. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. The, the conversation gambit that you started with, Amy, uh-huh. I think was des- destined to take you to a place where you were going to get uncomfortable because it was talking about alcohol. <laughs> right. um, <laughs> so I would recommend thinking of some alternative opening gambits okay. that are less likely to take you in an uncomfortable direction. That makes more sense. Here's a first quick rule. It's fine. In fact, it's a good idea to have some standard first question in your back pocket to break the ice. Something that you know will lead you to a comfortable topic, rather than something that leads you to kind of an awkward place. And I guess that's probably just where I always struggle is what is the mutual thing? So, you know, right now, given the situation, we obviously wouldn't be at a party. But if we were at a party, we might talk about, wow, I've noticed the grocery store shelves are still really empty. How has it been going for you? Maybe something like that. Yeah. And by the way, you might be at a virtual cocktail party. There you go. I mean, 
lots of people are doing those, and you're probably saying, no, I'd rather not, um, <laughs> if you find yourself at one of them. Can I tell you what I do? Because very similarly, I find myself very often in situations where I don't know anyone in a room. And so oftentimes what I'll do is I'll try and think of the thing that I learned that week that was interesting. And I'll go up to mm-hmm. someone and I'll say, hey, my name is Charles Duhigg. And I was like, you know, um, I learned this kind of interesting thing this week. Like, you know, that birds can fly upside down and no problem. <laughs> and usually they say like, oh, that's funny. And then I ask them, what's the most interesting thing you learned this week? And because I went first, it kind of makes it okay for people to tell me something interesting that they've learned. And it's just an easy way to have this very low stakes conversation. I like that. If you're somebody who likes to have more of those personal and deep conversations, what you want to just be doing is looking for the opening so that you can both walk through that gate. Yeah. You know, so like, let's say if you were going to your best friend's wedding, that's actually an easy one, right? How do you know the bride? How do you know the groom? Where did you meet? You can come prepared with a couple of stories that you might tell. And it doesn't take that long. Like spend three minutes beforehand thinking of what those openers might be. Having a question in your back pocket, that's just one of many ways for mastering small talk. And when we come back, we'll hear a lot more of those suggestions. And we'll learn about how Amy can be a quiet leader and a great boss. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Choiceology, an original podcast from Charles Schwab. Choiceology is a show all about the psychology and economics behind our decisions. Each episode shares the latest research in behavioral science and dives into themes like, can we learn to make smarter decisions and the power of do-overs? The show is hosted by Katie Milkman. She's an award-winning behavioral scientist, professor at the Wharton School, and author of the best-selling book, How to Change. In each episode, Katie talks to authors, historians, athletes, Nobel laureates, and everyday people about why we make irrational choices and how we can make better ones to avoid costly mistakes. Listen and subscribe at schwab.com podcast, or find it wherever you listen. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1st, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Are you curious why the night sky is dark? Do you wonder how water got on Earth or the best way to sanitize your home? With the Everyday Einstein podcast, you'll learn how to make sense of the science of everyday life. Each week, astrophysicist Dr. Sabrina Steerwalt explains complicated science concepts in terms that anyone can understand. So she has episodes on how we know climate change is to blame for major weather events and why the seasonal flu vaccine changes every year. Just search for Everyday Einstein wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back with our listener, Amy, and our expert, Susan Kane. Amy says it's particularly hard to be an introvert as the manager of a 55-person staff. 
I know that people expect leaders to be really present and approachable. And I feel like the expectation that I'm sort of available to everybody all the time feels a little bit overwhelming to me because I tend to be quiet and be in my office and kind of doing the work that I need to do. Um, so I think those are the expectations that that really make me feel like, oh, I, I need to sort of change who I am or I need to be better at this. If it was up to you, do you think you do need to be more approachable and do you need to be out there more? Or can you do a good job as a leader just being in your office? I feel like the um, I do a really good job with the work that I need to do. But I do lead a team, and so I do need to, you know, be able to connect with them. I need to build trusting relationships with them, and they need to trust me. And in order for them to do that, they need to know me. So, Susan, what do you think Amy should do? I mean, is is the right answer for her to try and change who she is? No, I, I would ask you to step aside from the way of thinking of I have to change who I am. Um, I've been listening to you. You're incredibly open. You're incredibly articulate. It doesn't sound to me like there's anything that you need to change about who you are. Um, what I think you're really saying is that you might want to be stepping outside your comfort zone more often and acquiring new skills while and that you can then use outside that comfort zone. But that's really different from changing who you are fundamentally. Here's our next rule. Don't feel like you have to change who you are. Even if you struggle with small talk or, or making new relationships, you don't have to adopt a new outgoing personality or pretend to be an extrovert. Instead, Susan says, think of small talk as a muscle, something that you can make stronger through practice. Don't feel weird about prepping for it. You know, before you set out to walk those hallways, you might just write down a few different conversation starters that you can use. And that's no different from prepping for any other kind of meeting, and it can really work well. And it's funny, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking of a time that I did this when I was like 14 years old, and I don't think I've thought about it since then, but it just popped into my head, which is, I remember having a crush on a guy, and I was gonna be getting on the phone with him for the first time, because back then it was all happening over the phone. And I remember worrying that we were gonna run out of things to say, so I jotted down a few conversation starters on a piece of paper beforehand. And I felt like a total idiot doing that. But I did it and, and it was incredibly successful. The thing is, I didn't have to do that for the rest of my life in those kinds of conversations. It was like that was the thing that I had to do until I got into the groove of knowing how to have those kinds of conversations. I love the idea of writing down ideas. Yeah, I think that's great and sounds like something I'm, I'm definitely the kind of person who would like make a list and be really organized and you know, if I was going to attend a meeting or deliver a speech, a public speech or something, I would prep for it and have some kind of statements or ideas in my pocket. So it makes sense to do this in a social encounter as well. Here's another rule. It's OK to prepare for small talk, e even if doing so kind of feels ridiculous. Just spend a few minutes rehearsing a couple of opening lines. Y you won't have to do this forever. It's just until you develop that muscle memory. And also, make sure those opening lines aren't just questions. For many introverts, the problem that they actually get into is asking too many questions. Um, for many introverts, it's, it's much easier to be the person who's not revealing the information and who instead is asking the other person lots of things about themselves. And the, the 
trouble that you can get into with that is it ends up sounding too much like an interview or even an interrogation. Absolutely. I find myself definitely leaning towards asking them a whole bunch of questions and um, which can feel like an interview. And, and I think about like in a work environment, like how much of my personal self should I be sharing with people and, and how does that impact their view of me as a leader? So I feel like maybe I'm a little bit too cautious about revealing too much about myself. Yeah. And I, it sounds to me like what you might be sort of intuiting, there is an interesting study that found that when within a work hierarchy, people are very comfortable when their peers reveal vulnerabilities about themselves, but they become less comfortable when when people who are senior in the hierarchy do it. Right. But I would say there's still a whole world that you could talk about within your own life that doesn't get into any kind of danger zone. What people are really communicating when they talk with each other is emotional life. And so what you really want to be telegraphing is your warmth and your interest in them. And the topic is, is almost beside the point. This is the next rule. It's fine to prepare for social interactions by writing down conversation starters. But just because you have all these questions in your head, that doesn't mean you have to ask all of them. A conversation should be a two-way street. And so the more you talk about yourself, the more you make it easier for other people to talk about themselves. Is part of what's happening when Amy is hesitant to share something about herself is, as you just mentioned, Amy, like, worrying what the other person might think about you. Is that something that, that introverts are more concerned about usually than extroverts? One thing Amy had said earlier on when you were first talking, you were you were saying that you don't want to be a burden to people and you feel like you're kind of taking their time and getting yeah. them into a conversation that they'd rather not be having. And I'm guessing part of that is because you might feel that way yourself. Like, I think you would honestly prefer to be doing your work and spending your social energy on people who you know really well. And, and so you're actually, in a way, being very empathetic to other people when you're wishing to relieve them of the burden of you talking to them, because I think you're, you're hoping to respect them. Yeah. So that might be a place where you want to make a kind of mind shift and know, especially in your capacity as a leader, that you are performing an act of generosity by engaging them, even if it's somebody like you who normally prefers to sit with their head down at their desk. Yeah, I definitely catch myself sort of projecting my own preference for quiet. And, and, and I would say um, even for the people who you encounter who are more introverted like you, where you sense that actually they would prefer not to have the small talk, mm -hmm. even for those people, um, they will often feel pleasantly surprised to have engaged in it. Part of my sort of pushing myself to be more available to staff, I started scheduling some little getting to know you sessions with the indirect reports. And I had one session with one of my employees and she also, she had mentioned that she was also very introverted and at the end of the meeting, she said, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really, I really appreciated it. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit. So it was some good positive reinforcement for the, those types of meetings. But I have to admit that it was really draining for me. And I enjoyed getting to know her and talking to her. But I have not been good about scheduling more of those meetings, even though I know I need to. Yeah. One tip that I have for that would be to schedule those meetings for first thing in the morning. 
because part of what's draining for you, I'm guessing, is just the anticipation all day long that you're going to have this meeting that you're thinking is going to be uncomfortable. And that in and of itself is draining. You and all of us really need to make our daily schedules by paying attention to our emotional lives. So if you know that you're scheduling something that's going to be draining you, you should be scheduling after that something that is going to feel restorative to you. So here's another rule. If you know you're going to feel drained after a social encounter, then schedule your day around it. Plan those moments for the morning or or make sure that you give yourself some time to recover afterwards, the same way you would give yourself some time after a long run or a hard workout. Remember, you're building a muscle and rest is part of creating strength. Susan, you had said that you felt like being an introvert actually surprisingly sort of gave you this advantage as a lawyer, an advantage that you you hadn't counted on um, because it helped you listen more closely. I mean, for someone like Amy, because we've told her you don't need to change who you are. In fact, you should embrace who you are. How does Amy use her introversion to her advantage? I think for Amy, it's really more a matter of just being conscious of here are the places I can stretch um, and I'm going to do that by being myself. I mean, I could I could just tell just by listening to you that you're a really deep and analytical thinker. And most people would really appreciate that and enjoy being around that. So that's what you're bringing to them. That's the gift that you're bringing. So it's really a question of for everybody thinking, what is the gift that I bring? What is the way that I love to connect with people? And how can I actually make that happen? Susan told us about one of her favorite examples of someone who made being an introvert into his leadership superpower. It's a story about Douglas Conant, who until recently was the CEO of Campbell Soup. And one of the things that Doug did, again, not being the schmoozy guy who loved to walk the hallways, um, what he would do was identify who were the employees at Campbell who had really been contributing, and then he would sit down and write to them these personal letters of thanks. And during his time at Campbell, he wrote 30,000 of those letters because that was the way in which he truly connected um, and was truly expressing gratitude to people. And, And people could feel that it was heartfelt and that it was authentic and he meant it. And so the letters meant a lot to them and it, and, and they didn't need him to be coming to their office and, and saying those things. And when he first took over at Campbell, it was at the bottom of the employee engagement ratings in the Fortune 500. And when he stepped down, about a decade later, it was at the top. Amy, what do you think that is for you? What kind of superpower does does being an introvert <laughs> give you that you think makes you a strong leader? I think that um, one of my strengths is definitely being very analytical and, and thinking about... Um, ideas and problems in a lot of different ways. And so I really do love hearing other people's perspective on different problems because I can get really excited about a topic. And if somebody has an interesting perspective or an idea that I hadn't thought about, that's something where I can really connect and open up and engage with other people in a really natural way. And here's our final rule. Find ways to be a leader that are comfortable for you. And let's be honest, that's easier said than done, because how society sees us, based on our gender or other factors, that can influence what we can do comfortably. But at the end of the day, the best leaders are the ones who people trust, because they're authentic, and they acknowledge their own strengths and their own weaknesses. 
And Susan, you've written about some of the research showing that that introverts actually oftentimes, as leaders, they deliver better outcomes than extroverts. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, there was research that um, Adam Grant at the Wharton School did um, where he found that when, when you have a group of proactive and engaged employees, introverted leaders tend to deliver better outcomes than extroverts do. And the reason is really what Amy was just describing, you know, of, of introverted leaders loving to have that exchange of ideas and wanting to listen to the ideas that their employees are bringing forward. Whereas if you're a leader who's more um, irrepressible or dominant by nature, you, you might sincerely want to know other people's ideas, but just have a conversational style where you're not getting them as much and you're less likely to follow them because you are more putting your own stamp on things. But if you've got the proactive employees, uh, the, the style that you're describing, Amy, is incredibly powerful. Think of yourself as being the host. Yeah, I really like the idea of assuming the role of the host in whatever situation I'm in, and it's my job to make someone else feel comfortable. If, if we're looking back on this from six months from now or a year from now, how do you define success? I think what I would hope for six months from now is that I've been practicing all of these things and that I don't um, have to spend as much time preparing ahead of time and that I feel much more at ease um, in these situations so that I don't walk away feeling like, wow, I really bombed that or I really made that person feel uncomfortable. I would love to walk away from whatever casual social encounter, whether it's at work or, you know, a party and feel like, hey, that went that went pretty well. And I met some interesting people or I got to know somebody a little bit better today. I really predict that you're going to be there because you're already a great talker and you already communicate a lot of warmth. So all you really need to do is make these few shifts. And I think you're going to have a completely different experience. Thank you to Amy for talking to me by the punch bowl and for opening up to us. And thank you to Susan Kane for her quiet but influential advice. You should look for her books, including her guidebook for teens called Quiet Power, The Secret Strengths of Introverted Kids. And we want to hear from you. Send us your questions about problems that we can help you solve or your questions or answers about how you're living your best life under quarantine. You can send us a note at howtoatslate.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 646-495-4001. How To's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen is our production assistant and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcasts and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Asha Saluja and Sung Park. I'm Charles Duhigg. Don't be afraid to talk to strangers. And thanks for listening. <laughs>